Hello, Internet. My name's Jonathan Cook. And I'm Matt Noble. Matt, <laughs> I'm very surprised to see you here. There's been a vicious Internet rumour saying that you died this week. Yeah, there was. Um, it was on Facebook. Uh, it was on the Screen Verdict page. Yeah, Screen Verdict <laughs> liked it. Yeah, hacked. <laughs> Just an internet rumour, uh, my health is fantastic, so I don't know what happened there. Yeah, no, I've just been chilling with Morgan Freeman the past week or two, <laughs> so I don't know what, what the story's been. Well, I'm glad you're here, Matt. been looking forward to doing a podcast. It's been a little while. Like, there's an internet rumour that I died. It was, like, posted on the official page. Well, like, one of my friends, Ken, liked it, and that was it. Like, there was no big response. <laughs> Like, there was no, you know, Chris who's called the podcast, well, he called yeah. me today to see if everything was all right. Um, <laughs> he didn't seem to be too concerned that I died, but more just wondering what was happening with the podcast. <laughs> Will your death affect the podcast schedule? What's happening with the podcast? We've got uh, Ivan's just sent a Facebook message wondering why I'm not doing the podcast anymore. Uh, like, so it seems like we've got a few people a bit worried, but... I would have thought if I died, there would have been more of a response on Facebook. It's sort of like I was around the last couple of days for my funeral to see that no one turned up. (laughs) Well, it seems like people's primary concern is with the podcast. And I think that's my concern, where my concern would lie. Well, you you already were looking for replacements. (laughs) (laughs) My body isn't even cold yet. I'm not even in the crowd. (laughs) Who will co-host the podcast? Yeah. I'll Um, just do it on my own. You can find it at facebook.com slash the new and improved screen (laughs) podcast. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay, so... uh, But we have not been on air for a week or two, which is probably how these rumours started. Oh, Screen Verdict's not on. This isn't the Dad's Army podcast. Like, we're used to getting an episode each week. Like, um, so I guess this is where the speculation and rumour mill starts, when something different happens. And as you know, we like to keep our podcast topical, which is why yes. we're reviewing Moonrise Kingdom this week. Yes. That perhaps needs a little bit of an explanation. Moonrise Kingdom, unfortunately, got a very late release date here in Australia, Mm. many months later. We've been trying to put it together, but there have been a few things come up the last week or so that have been uh, delaying the podcast, other than Matt's death. (laughs) But by the way, people want to write in nice things about me. It's sometimes nice to share these things while the person's still around, not just wait till they die. I don't know, you're not going to wait till I die, so I'm just going to... I think the thing is, people don't even particularly like people or say nice things because they're not true. They only say them because they feel obligated to when they're dead. In your case, they didn't even do it then. <laughs> so I wouldn't get your fingers crossed for any while you're alive. Okay. Yeah, so what, what, what did come up? What were the real reasons? <laughs> you didn't see the movie, for one. Well, I wanted to see it. I told friends to see it with them and they couldn't see it till this week. <laughs> then you had a graduation. Yeah, I feel like choosing what time to see the movie is a little bit more flexible than graduating from university. I'm yeah. sorry, my uni graduation was yesterday. Yeah, and I had a funeral, the time you could make yesterday. Yeah, not, not my funeral. <laughs> um, so. Well, you were in Canberra on the weekend. I was in Canberra, Fighting yeah. for poverty or against poverty. Um, I wasn't really sure what side you were on. It was against poverty, on. yeah. Okay. I was uh, down in Canberra. Met, met up with some of the politicians down there to, to um, advocate for more 
federal spending on aid, but we want to keep politics out of this podcast. So um, I'm not, I'm not going to push that here. Uh, you think countries around the world should get less foreign aid, then feel free to hold that opinion. You want children to die, then, you know, that's cool. <laughs> so, yeah, it has been busy. So eventually we got around to doing a podcast for you, and we're doing it now, and it's on Moonrise Kingdom. Yes. Film written and directed by Wes Anderson. Mm. He's done not his first film. Now, I'm a huge Wes Anderson fan. Yeah, I was asking about this film him, yeah. from way back. I think at the beginning of the year, this was penciled in as like something we've definitely got a podcast on this year. Yeah, Matt had the Lorax and I had <laughs> Moonrise Kingdom. Well, let's not count the Lorax as my one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it definitely wasn't mine, as indicated in the podcast title. <laughs> Okay, like, I just think, like, that was more a comedy what I wanted to do, not, like, a, not a serious thing I really wanted to do. See, I love Wes Anderson. I, I like all his films, uh, in particular, The Royal Tenenbaums. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I've said on the podcast, probably my second favourite film, The Royal Tenenbaums. It's, it's hard to rank it very, but it's up there. Definitely one of my yeah. favourites. That and The Assassination mm-hmm. of Jesse James, mm-hmm. my favourite films. Okay. So, you really like Wes Anderson. Do you like his films other than the Royal Tenenbaums? I love The Life Aquatic. Okay. I love Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah. Uh, I liked Rushmore. And the Darjeeling Limited was a little bit similar to Royal Tenenbaums, just in India. It wasn't as good, but still really enjoyed it. Mm. But with less Bill Murray and no Gene Hackman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your score is, like, never going to go down by, like, adding Bill Murray to the team. Yes. <laughs> Wes Anderson, uh, I don't dislike the guy. Um, I don't think he's a bad filmmaker. I haven't seen all of his movies. The Royal Tenenbaums, I'm going to put it out there, was fairly disappointing. <laughs> like, you get Gene Hackman, you get Bill Murray in a comedy film, you're expecting good things. And I just heard a lot of people loving on the Royal Tenenbaums, and I saw it, and it was sort of a bit all over the place. Not as funny as I thought it would be. I didn't really get invested in any of the characters. Yeah. Um, I saw Life Aquatic, and I thought Bill Murray's got a bigger role in this. Could be even better. It was maybe a little better, but still a pretty disappointing film. So I missed the next one. I thought Darjeeling (laughs) Limited probably won't see that one. Bill Murray's only got a cameo. (laughs) And then um, I saw Fantastic Mr. Fox, which I loved. Uh, that was an amazing film. I, that was so good. I just watched it the other night with some people from church again, and it was just as good the second time. Like, it's the, the dialogue is witty, it's sharp, I like the characters. Um, so, like, here's my views. Wes Anderson, he's sort of a good director-writer. He, he makes sort of acceptable things. He gets Bill Murray in, which is great. <laughs> and... Um, but maybe animation is what he should stick to. The stop motion animation is really his his forte. Like that was just a ama- that was such a good movie, The Fantastic Mr. Fox. It was just so funny. Well, he hasn't taken your advice. No. This is a live action film. Yeah, I'm aware of that. <laughs> Let's talk a bit about Moonrise Kingdom. What the premise is, okay. what to expect. Mm. It takes place on an island, just sort of a uh, northeast America. Sort of an island up there. People live on the island. 
It's not the island from Lost. It's not the island from Lost. There's like houses. Well, the houses on the island from Lost. <laughs> but like, it's like a regular place. Like people fly in, people fly out, they get mail delivered. There's no no supernat, no smoke monsters, no <laughs> nothing like that. And we're introduced to a few different groups of people, I guess, on this island, aren't we? I'd say the main focus is on kids. Yes. There's a big summer camp thing on the island. Scout camp. Scout camp. So all the scouts hanging out. And then there's Scouting. Also, yeah. And then there's also a family, which has kids in it. Bill Murray and Francis McDormand's family. Mm. And I guess they've got a daughter. There's a boy in the scout program. And they both run away together. Yeah, this is a bit of a, a Romeo and Juliet love story. These two kids... Try and run away hmm. and star cross lovers. The adults have to find them because you can't run away from scout camp, obviously. Like that's no. that's probably against scout law. Yeah, yeah. There'd be a child protection sort of issue and things like that. It's probably a badge for that, like the not running away badge. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't run away from our camp. Congratulations. <laughs> I guess the other part of the premise is then there is a search on for the kids. Yes. Yeah. So then you have Bruce Willis, the policeman, the scoutmaster, the parents. They all get on the on the search trail. So you have got the kids running away and everyone else searching for them. So let's start with the kids. Yes. Uh, do we like them? Do we want them to get away? Do we want them to be together? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think we do. I think yeah, if no. it's just a film about a scout camp where the kids do what the scout might. The scout master. The scout master tells them to do. That would be a less interesting film. Yes. Than a kid running away from the scout camp. Yeah. No, I agree. I think we really want these kids to run away. It's sort of, it's rebellious. It's sort of cool. But there's also a, a sort of sweetness to it where, you know, this is, they feel accepted when they're with each other. They don't feel accepted outside of that. And they get to go on an adventure together. Because the boy, he's not that popular at the scout camp. No, he's the least popular boy in the scout camp, we're told. By some margin. Yeah. And the girl, she's seen as a little bit of a problem child by her Mm -hmm. parents. Yes. She acts out a bit. So I guess a bit violent when provoked. Mm. Hmm. Actually, he seems a bit of a problem child too. He's a foster child. And, you know, at the beginning of the film, his foster parent goes, oh, we can't really keep him anymore. He's... A good kid, but he's causing too much trouble. So they're both considered problem children, and they sort of go on an adventure together. I like the fact that even though he wasn't popular in the Scouts, he's using his Scout knowledge for them yes. to get away. Yes. Like, he's making the ropes to get their suitcases over the little creek uh, and building little fires and things. Little pulleys. and <laughs> uh, It was just... It's so adorable and sweet the things he does to carry her bags for her. he's a very chivalrous guy he's <laughs> like making little pulley systems for her bags and things like that it, yeah it's 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 very good he's got the rifle he's got his uh, vet his life jacket he's well equipped this is what i like to say i like to see i like to see sort of these spontaneous sort of let's just run away together plans but i also like to see things well planned and well organized <laughs> and he's like he's done the research he hasn't just run away with her he's he's spent a year planning this trip he's got the right equipment they're not going to get in over their head out there it just seems like a, a he's a sensible young uh gentleman what how do we find their relationship uh like how they interacted with each other 
I think it was a really interesting relationship and really well sort of thought out and explored in the film and uh, shown to the audience because it's not just she's an outcast, he's an outcast, therefore they go away together. There's quite a lot of layers in it. Mm. And I think some of the, the dialogue where they speak so frankly to each other, it's almost you don't get that kind of honesty in adults. I guess the way they talk, they talk about their emotions and their experiences is quite jarring, but it's quite interesting to see how open they can be with each other. Yeah, I'm, I'm putting it out there. I think this couple... I, I'm not into these young couples, like, getting married young and running off. I think people rush into relationships and get a bit too serious too quickly these days sometimes. But I'm putting it out there. The, these two young uh, kids are probably exhibiting more maturity in their relationship than are most adult couples I know. Would you agree? <laughs> like, just the way they're open and honest with each other, like you said... They're just, like, the way they ask... Like, there's a scene where he just goes to her, are you depressed? Like, he just asks her. That's what he's thinking. He's concerned for her. So he asks the question, and uh, then he does something wrong. And rather than being embarrassed about it or awkward about it, he just goes in and apologises and lets her know that things are going to be okay and he's actually on her side. And she goes, I understand that. Like, it's just the way they resolve conflict and the way they talk through their problems is just very mature and... You know, the kind of thing I'd hope for in a relationship. There was a line that stuck out for me that I thought had quite a lot of impact is when he's, well, he's an orphan. Mm. And she says sometimes she wishes she was an orphan. And he says, I love you, but you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I thought that was a a very good line. I I also thought there was a bit where he said he might wet the bed. And she said she didn't mind. (laughs) And I thought that was really sweet because it showed that she was more concerned about making him feel comfortable and accepted than she was about herself being grossed out by him. Like, she, like they really... You've got these two young kids. As long as they've got each other, things are going to be okay. Like, they're each other's partners in crime and comfort for each other in a world which hasn't given them any comfort at all. Are they too clingy, though? Because we do know couples, I'm sure you do, Jonathan, I do, which just have to spend all their time together. Like, you know, if their partner isn't around, thing, they're not having a good time, they're always complaining about where their partner is, they're always going off and being with their partner instead of with their friends and things like that. We all know that and we all find that very annoying. I guess they're sort of like that in one sense. This is not by their choice in some ways, is that they've been rejected by everyone else. Are you always ringing people saying, oh, do you want to come to the movies with us on Saturday? No, we're running off in the woods forever. (laughs) Sorry, can't make that time. Figuratively, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Now, this couple does get a little touchy-feely in one scene. Probably the most awkward scene in the movie for some. I know... The people I was seeing next to in the movie, my church friends, were a little bit, kind of a little bit awkward. A bit of a breast feeling going on. At Screen Verdict, we always like to just break down the the, fat, the stats of this. <laughs> Crunch the numbers, find out exactly what's happening here. Um, you know, there's some nude artworks and underwear paintings and things like that going on. The young kids. So, firstly, we know the boy is 12 years old. Yeah, that's in the film. We don't know her age, I don't think. 
I think she's supposed to be about the same about age. About the same. So she might be 13, maybe. But what, what are the actors' age? Because they're the people in the film who actually have to do this stuff. Well, we've actually done some research. Some extensive <laughs> crunching through the archives, <laughs> bribing crusty old librarian ladies in order to find out the results. Yeah. Okay, Jared Gilman plays Sam. He is 13 years old, born December 1998. Probably would have been 12 during the filming. Yeah, probably 12 during the filming, maybe late 12. Yeah, so 12, he is 12 years old. Kara Haywood plays Susie. So she's pretty much the same age, a little bit older. She's 14, but she turned 14 in August. We, I don't know. We what, put it in the calculator. Yeah. It's, it's punched out a result. Yeah. The answer is not legal. Not, <laughs> not okay. <laughs> we tried all different variations on the sums. We threw in a logarithm here, a sine cos there. Not okay. There we go. For each other? For them. That's still okay. young. It's still, still young. Still, 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 young. Still, still a bit young for me. To be doing it. I get if they're... Alright, let, let me try and explain this situation. Okay. I went to see the film at the cinema. Yeah. It wasn't that full. At the cinema, there was a middle-aged man on his own. <laughs> okay. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a middle-aged man. And going to see a Wes there's, Anderson. There's nothing yeah. wrong with seeing a film <laughs> a on we- Especially a Wes Anderson film. Everyone walked in, didn't really notice this guy. Didn't say anything. It wasn't, wasn't an issue. <laughs> Watch the film. Gets to this scene. Semi-naked young people... With a bit of kissing and over-the-bra breast-touching. French kissing. Everyone slowly turned to look at this middle-aged guy on his own. And you could just see him slowly slink lower and lower into his chair. Yeah. That's how awkward this situation is. (laughs) So it was an awkward scene. I know during this scene... Um, when I was watching the movie, I crossed my legs. And I thought, oh no, is that like... <laughs> are people going to think less of me now? Are people going to read into this in the cinema? Yeah. So, it's a bit of a loaded gun, this scene, in some ways. But we've talked uh, extensively in the podcast in the past about Chloe Grace Moretz. Um, and what words are appropriate to use when describing um, describing her. What words are appropriate to describe the girl in this film? Um, Kara Haywood, or Susie, her character. I'd say cute is the tipping point. Like, anything beyond cute is not okay. Pretty? Not okay. You think that's worse than cute? <laughs> I think she was pretty. Like, now I've said it out loud, cute doesn't feel very okay. Yeah. <laughs> she was cute, though. Nice. <laughs> I think nice sounds worse. It's much broader, like, state. Like, a little baby can look cute. Like, right? Like, a little dog can look cute. I'm not saying she looks like a baby or a dog. But, um, <laughs> but I'm saying, like, cute, I think, can work for a 14 year old girl. I think pretty. Like, you know, she's got nice little pretty clothes and things like that. So, yes. Yeah, there's always someone who's, like, trying to describe why it's okay for them to be dating someone younger than them. They go, oh, they're very mature. And you're like, yeah, that's okay. If they ever say the word develop, <laughs> not okay. Yes. Yeah. So it's a very young couple to see on screen, but they're a very adorable couple. 
And even the awkward, sort of uncomfortable scene, there was something adorable about that in the way they talked about it with each other and the way they did I don't think it was a dirty scene. Yeah. I was going to just, like, briefly uh, ask you, like, would this be the kind of adventure you'd want to go on? Like, would you do this? Or, like, do you think they went wrong anywhere and they should have planned it a bit differently? I like adventures. I'd always be up for an adventure. I think it makes, the film makes you root for these characters, unlike these characters, but without it seeming unrealistic or too dream-like. Mm. Like, she's the fantasy girl that will save you, or he's the knight in shining armor. It's not unrealistic. It's not a perfect situation. They are still both flawed characters. Mm. And through that, I guess there are some flaws in their plan. Not everything goes according to plan. No. There's some hiccups along the way that perhaps I wouldn't want to experience in my plan. But it's the type of adventure I would uh, imagine I would enjoy. Yeah, I would love this. (laughs) Escaping with someone, trying to work it out together as you go, use some of the skills you've learnt in life, and, um, yeah, just really just having fun and, like, I guess they, I'm not sure what their end game was. Was their plan just to keep on, like, when they got to the end, like, was their plan to never get caught or? I guess, practice for the amazing race. Practice for the amazing race. I would love to see those guys on the amazing <laughs> race. How good would they be? Yes. <laughs> you had the video camera there. They were doing their audition tape. No, I like this plan. I think they did execute it pretty well considering their age. I'm not sure if at 12 years old I would have been able to go on, uh, organize such a good plan. So I think really good job and, uh, definitely the kind of thing I'd want to do with a girl my age. <laughs> now there are other people in the film. Yes. Some big names in the film. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Cara Haywood and Jared Gilman didn't excite you enough seeing their name on the poster. I'm glad you finished that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> There's also some lesser-known actors that you may have seen in other things, uh, uh, like Bruce Willis and Edward Norton and Bill Murray. So we'll run through each of them, who they're Mm. playing. Bruce Willis is the cop, Mm. this sort of area, this island. Yeah. And he's been called in when when Sam goes missing from the scout camp. Yeah. Uh, Ed Norton is the scout master, so it's kind of his responsibility Mm. that uh, he's gone missing. Yeah. And uh, Bill Murray and Frances McDormand are Susie's parents. Mm. Yeah. So obviously they're concerned that Susie's run off with this other kid. Yeah. We have Tilda Swinton playing social services lady. Mm. That Because Sam is from a foster home. When he gets caught, there's going to be trouble there. He's going to get possibly put in a juvenile home mm. or the like. Jason Schwartzman drops in. Yeah. Wes Anderson's good buddy. Yeah. As another member of the sort of scout staff. Yeah. Um, so these are some of the players that we have, some people you might recognise. Mm. Who, who is your MVP of this supporting lineup? Obviously, we love the kids and there's a lot of stuff on the kids, but what, who's your MVP here? Well, I said in the Bourne podcast that I thought Ed Norton was getting a bit lazy, but I really liked him in this. I liked how sort of innocent he was and how much he just loved the scouts, his enthusiasm for being a scoutmaster. And his little odd saying, it's like, whatever it was in the trailer, like, the chimney cricket, he flew the coop. 
Yeah. Like, <laughs> he just had these odd mannerisms, and he was a very likable guy. And I thought he pulled off sort of the kind of quirky, deadpan humour that sort of ran through the film very mm. well. So, surprisingly, not Bill Murray. He was Ed Norton, was my, my MVP of the adults. Well, I'm a huge Bill Murray fan. Bill Murray is just, I think, one of the greatest living actors um, and one of the funniest guys all around. So my MVP was Ed Norton. I thought he was, <laughs> he was great. I really thought he was... He was uh, fantastic. Like, all the things he said. I love the line where um, one of the kids asks him what his real job is. And he says it's like a math teacher. And then, like, just a minute later, he comes back to them and goes... I'm revising that first answer. My first job is Scoutmaster. Second job, Maths Teacher. Like, I just love that. He just, his diligence and just his innocence and his care and stuff. Like, it was just really funny. And seeing him, like, I would have liked to see more Ed Norton interacting with the kids in, in this movie. I think this movie is lacking something. It was more of him interacting with kids. I didn't like that him and Bruce Willis ended up being the same person at the end of the, uh, the movie. That's a pretty, uh, that's a pretty dud twist. But uh, <laughs> but uh, other than that, he was great. I thought Jason Schwartzman was also pretty uh, funny, and he was great at interacting with the kids too. Um, so him as well. But like, yeah, Ed Norton MVP for me among the adults. Now I think this would be down to the writing, but I suppose in the performance as well, I found all these adults, big celebrity actors in their roles, were a little cartoony and one-dimensional. I don't think they actually had the the depth and complexity in the performance that the children did. Mm. They don't have the names, they don't have the years in Hollywood, but I think the children outdid the adults here. Look, like, I don't think anyone does a better job than Ed Norton in the film. Like, I don't think, like, oh, that kid did a better job than Ed Norton. I thought he was really good. But, yeah, I tend to agree that the the kids in this film, um, at the very least, meet the performances of the actors. And I'd say if you got at the collective, the kids, yeah, do do a better job. Yeah, I was very impressed with the kids in this film. Now, Wes Anderson, in all his films, has a very distinct style. Mm. A style that some people might describe... As Wes Anderson. It's very distinct. He, you can recognise a Wes Anderson film pretty easily. You have those sort of... I don't even know how a colour can be nostalgic. But nostalgic colours. There's kind of those like pastels. You, it makes you feel like you're reading sort of... Yeah, it makes you feel like you're reading a, an old children's book. It's got that sort of bold print. And all his films have this... A, a kind of similar sense of humour that are, is quite dry. It can be sort of awkward, but... Also touching as well. I think Moonrise Kingdom follows this style. It is very Wes Anderson. You have the film set in the 60s. It makes you feel nostalgic for the 60s, which is ridiculous because I grew up in the 90s. And Wes Anderson probably is not that much older than me. Probably grew up in the 70s, 80s. So it's not nostalgia at all. Yeah, but it makes you feel that anyway. You're like Owen Wilson in Midnight in Paris. Nostalgic for a time he was never around for. Yeah. yeah. Which I think the moral of that story was that was folly. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy the today. And it had a, a very Wes Anderson tone, but I think this one was a little lighter, perhaps, because of it was about kids. And I think it was a little bit more positive. I think other Wes Anderson films take you to some kind of dark places, whereas this touches on some real emotional things and makes you care and it's not always rosy but i think you have a more optimistic outlook 
at the end of this film. Mm. I think it does follow that style, but for those that find Wes Anderson perhaps a bit hipster, a bit grating, kind of romanticises things that are depressing, this film will perhaps be more your thing. If you like it that way, then this film might be too light for you. Mm. I thought the tone and the style worked really well here, like the music, the sets, the costumes, like just like the little scout outfit and like the girl's like pink sort of perfect dress that they were hiking in. Like it just, it all felt and looked fantastic. Yeah, the music, the, 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 the way it all came together, it just had a, bril- a really nice style that um, did make you feel good and enjoy watching. Like just stuff like the treehouse that the kids made that was just like <laughs> unbelievably high. Like it did have um, a Roald Dahl quality to it, this mm. film. Like, um, like obviously Fantastic Mr. Fox was a Roald Dahl book that Wes Anderson adapted and it did have that same sort of feel. Like it was realistic in some ways, this film, but it was very surreal in other ways, like the treehouse and a few other things that happen later on in the film. Which... Bob Balaban. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it might be time for our segment, What Has Blank Taught Us? Yes. This week, What Has Moonrise Kingdom Taught Us? Yeah. Matt, what has Moonrise Kingdom taught you? This is actually a legit thing I learnt. Like, <laughs> I know this is usually a comedy segment, <laughs> but actually a legit thing that I learnt from this movie. I have a Swiss Army knife. And there's the thing that you pull out that's a little hook. And I've always wondered what that does. Like, what is this little hook thing for? And in one of the opening scenes where Edward Norton's looking for the guy, the zip's done on the inside of the tent. And he to unzip it, he gets out that bit from his Susami knife. He puts <laughs> his hand around and he uses it to clip on the zipper and more easily raise the zipper. <laughs> so I learnt a use that that thing on your Susami knife has. How cool is that? It could come in handy when you're on the Amazing Race. Yeah. Like, I, like, I actually learned something from the, Like, I, this is something I actually learned. There you go. Yeah. Jonathan, what has Moonrise Kingdom taught you? Well, Matt, I always thought that if I got hit by lightning, that would be a bad thing. Mm. But this movie has taught me that it just makes you good at flips. Like, if you're one of those gymnasts that stacked it bad at the London 2012 Olympics and you're looking for a... Redemption 2016 in Rio. Try and get hit by lightning. Go out in the field with a golf club in the middle of a thunderstorm. Yeah, you could do a double or a triple flip and uh, little to no side effects. Yeah. So, uh, very educational. Hmm. I'm just going to say to the Screen Vet listeners, don't do that. (laughs) I just got to on the record have a, this is not something Screen Verdict endorses at all. Yeah, if you're going to sue anyone, sue Wes Anderson. Yeah, don't sue not Screen, screen We do not think this is necessary. You get more right money here. from Wes Anderson. Yep. Probably has better lawyers. Yeah. Mm. But uh, please don't sue us. Yeah. So is it time to give a rating to this film now? Yes, let's give a Screen Verdict verdict yep. to Moonrise Kingdom. Mm. Matt, thoughts? Okay. I thought that this film had a great style, a great tone. Um, I thought the adult cast did a, a great job. They were played funny little characters. Like Bill Murray may have not been as good as I was expecting him to be or as memorable as I was expecting him to be, but Edward was more memorable and good than I was expecting him to be. It was more just the character Bill Murray was given rather than, oh, man, Bill Murray sucked in that. And, look, th- these two kids I was very impressed with. 
they, I think, gave great performances for, for such young people. Um, and, and not just them, the supporting kids too. And I just think it's a great story. It's two people who do not feel accepted and aren't accepted in their lives, in their families, uh, in their schools, and their wherever, who find each other and through uh, each other are able to make each other feel loved, feel accepted, feel cared for. It's funny and cute and sweet, but like it, it's got real heart to it, this film, and I just loved it. I was an incredible film. I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. Whoa. I, I thought it was so... I, I le- uh, The person I was watching the movie with, I leaned night next to them during the movie and said, they're so adorable. <laughs> and they are. They're so ador- adorable. But, like, it's not just corny. It's actually funny and witty and, and clever. It's not just a, you know, cute dog running around for, like, two hours. I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I thought it was incredible. Matt, you're on the Wes Anderson team. I just objectively judge his films. <laughs> well, I think these kids make the film. I love the kids. I think it's a really great story. You root for them. You like them. They do show some real heart, touches on some important things. It's very funny. It's awkward. It's unique. One or two jokes do fall flat. I think a couple of things were just odd rather than funny. I think... Bruce Willis and Ed Norton were really good, uh, particularly Ed Norton. Some of the, the adults, the celebrity actors, I didn't like as much. Wes Anderson has this way of treating the topic of cheating in his films that I find a little disconcerting. Mm. It's just something that I found find a, a tad irritating in the film, and it happened in this in this as well. But I think those were the pretty pretty minor flaws, really, in a film that was unique and captivating and very Wes Anderson, and I liked it a lot. It's not my favourite. Royal Tenenbaums is still my favourite Wes Anderson film, but I think I'd put this up there with uh, Life Aquatic and Fantastic Mr. Fox. I'm going to give Moonrise Kingdom 8.5 out of 10. Whoa. This is, a very, this uh, is like the newsroom podcast. Yeah. Like, how can I like Sorkin and you like Wes Anderson more? Yeah, this is ridiculous. This has been a year where uh, expectations have been turned on their head. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just—it's such a lovely film. It just all comes together and works. It like, I, I hats off to Wes Anderson. The way that you job. find out why the film is called what it's called—that was icing on a film cake. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, the, and these two kids, I hope they get more work because they are—they're uh, incredible. So enough about that. Yeah, no on to what the fans really want: housekeeping. housekeeping. <laughs> yes, the housekeeping segment. Oh, sorry, shot the table there. Now, safe time for me to cross my legs. So <laughs> I've taken that opportunity. First up in housekeeping, we have. The MTV Video Music Awards. We did a review of them. Uh, we we voted for Got Yars, uh, somebody, somebody that I used, used to know. know. Um, Matt, do you have the results? For I those do have that the don't results. Know, yeah. Did we vote for the winner? What, what was our rating for the the winning video? Well, it did not win. Oh, it did not win. Did you know who won? No, you don't know who won. <laughs> I've been waiting for the podcast. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. good. The winner was a Video Music Award of the Year, Best Music Video, 
Rihanna's We Found Love in a Homeless Place. <laughs> it was the one we... Was that the one we both hated? The but, one yeah, was, we both... It was our lowest score. Yeah. I gave it a zero. <laughs> what did you give it? Like Maybe a, a half. half or something. It won. Best uh, music video of the year. What's going on with the VMAs? I think that is the worst choice. Other than Katy Perry's music video, just because that would have made you really happy. I wouldn't have been that. I didn't love it that much. I would have been like, oh, yeah, that was my favourite one. Um, oh, my goodness. Yeah, so, oh. so I guess our vote didn't tip it in favour no. Yeah. Oh, no. Democracy has failed once again. Yeah. So let's move away from the Democratic Awards and to the Emmy Awards. Modern Family did it again. Best comedy series third year in a row. Eric Stone Street won. Uh, Julie Bowen won again. They won directing, writing, something like that. Like, so Modern Family did well, which you would have been a bit disappointed with, I would imagine. As you know, I'm not a big Modern Family fan. I was rooting for uh, maybe a bit of uh, Kirby Enthusiasm or Veep to take some of those categories. But uh, Well, Veep won lead actress. We, there was one... One victory. Yeah. My friend Zoe couldn't pull it out, but um, that's okay. <laughs> uh, lead actor in a comedy series was a bit of a jaw-dropper. John Cryer from Two and a Half Men. Yeah. I think all three of us picked it. The... <laughs> yeah. Wait, no one picked it because yeah, well, as, no one thinks uh, that that was deserved. Well, I'm sure John, John Stewart predicted it. I'm sure John Stewart predicted it because he was saying when he won how fucking predictable the Emmys were. <laughs> So, yeah, John Cryer from Two and a Half Men. Uh, even John Cry could not believe that one. He got up and said, there must have been a mistake, I'm sorry. That was 80% of his speech. <laughs> then on the drama side, on the drama side, we had Aaron Paul win for Breaking Bad. Big Breaking which was, Bad. Which was nice, yeah. Uh, we saw uh, Maggie Smith win from Downton Abbey. Luckily, she wasn't there. To uh, receive the award, so I didn't have to look at Maggie Smith. Yeah, um, for, you don't have to worry about her face falling off or whatever <laughs> you were worried about last week. Yeah, beating my friend Christina, so that's a bit of a shame. A Boardwalk Empire, one of your favourites, winning uh, directing again. Yes, for e- the episode uh, To the Lost, one of my my favourite episodes from last yeah. year, so even, um, very happy with that. Even without Martin Scorsese directing, Boardwalk Empire can still win that, yeah, so it's good. Um, and then the big story on drama side was... It was all Homeland. <laughs> everything else. Yeah, was everything else was Homeland. Homeland. Writing, lead actor, lead actress, and drama series. They stopped Downton Abbey from, from staging a coup, which I think we were all happy about. Yes. Um, they stopped Mad Men from winning their fifth in a row from making Emmy history. Those who like things that to happen on their TV shows will be yeah. happy. <laughs> Yeah. Those that gave Mad Men four Emmys somehow, probably. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I bet they thought four was enough. But anyway, yeah, Mad Men made it. Made, Mad Men did make Emmy history. First show ever to lose uh, 17 Emmy Awards in one year. Yeah. 17, 17 nominations, nominations zero, zero wins. wins. Yeah. I know who will be happy. Screen Verdict fans. Homeland is our biggest podcast. Yes. Our most popular our most podcast. Our most popular podcast of all time. Bing. We will be doing a season two review. <laughs> this is a guaranteed podcast for us. If I'm still alive by the time we record, by the time season two of my planets, we'll definitely be doing one. Yes. <laughs> We've also got a, our own competition, 
We said when we got 100 Facebook fans, we'd be drawing one at random to win a, uh, a mystery prize. Yes. Big competition. Yeah. That will be going down on next week's podcast. Yes. So if you still want to be in the draw, even though we've already got 100. We've now hit the 100. Yeah, we've hit the 100. But if you want to be a part of it, you can still enter yourself. If you are a fan of our Facebook page, whenever we record our next podcast, sometime in about a week probably, we'll put your name in that draw. Screen verdict on Facebook. It couldn't be easier than that. You could be winning a mystery prize. (laughs) So the podcast is back. We're back on schedule. We've got some things lined up. Yes. What? It's movie season. Quite a few movies coming out. Mm. Maybe a bit of uh, Looper or Lawless or Argo. Okay. Maybe some TV as well. Yeah. Got uh, maybe Louie. Say Louie, Louie. That's not the theme song. Uh, <laughs> and Damages, perhaps? Yeah. So we got some things in the works. We'll be, we'll be back do on the, schedule. That is the theme song. That's a boss theme song, too. I love damages. Every, I like it too. Every I time thought, I thought I was do- credits wrong. Yeah, I thought I was doing like a horrible rendition of it though. That's no, I, I recognised that, and I was like, I was getting all pumped for damages. We did it there. <laughs> <laughs> what did they say? They're getting that. Oh, no. Obviously, we're, we'll put that in the damages podcast, not this one. But um, so yeah, guys, stay tuned for that. Stay tuned, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, see you. Bye.